Hi everyone, for all who have tuned in, a very special welcome to this new edition of In Conversation With. In this series, we're going to interview a lot of different business leaders from all different areas, from all different expertise, uh, really showing what their personal journey is. We're not going to deep dive too much on the business side, no, we really want to hear what their personal drivers are, what their personal values are, what their personal journey is, also what makes them tick, what keeps them awake at night, what are their challenges, dilemmas and opportunities. That's what we're going to talk about in this interview. My name is Jeroen Bademans and I'm so happy that I'm able to interview another great business leader. Today I'm interviewing Allard Kastelein. He is the CEO of the Port of Rotterdam. So I'm very happy that we have another true business leader in this series, In Conversation With. So please welcome to In Conversation With, Allard Kastelein. So Allard, welcome. Great to have you here in our, well, let's say, virtual show. Um, I'm live from Stockholm. Uh, you are, I guess, in Rotterdam, right? Absolutely, I'm in Rotterdam. Having a nice overview of the port of Rotterdam from your office. Yeah, the weather is uh, is not too uh, too nice uh, from that perspective, but uh, indeed uh, the office does allow me to have a, a a good overview of the operations in the in the port. Yeah, so you're almost over nine years the CEO of the port of Rotterdam, and I read the other day that the the view from your office on the port is never boring, right? It's always exciting. No, it is exciting. Yes, and as we speak, we have a huge cruise liner even bigger size than right behind me on the picture, I suppose, a huge cruise liner departing. The cruise terminal is right beneath the offices uh, and the, the the ship is just sailing away. So it's one of the views that I uh, have the, the privilege of enjoying uh, uh, every once in a while. Yeah, and also being born and raised in Rotterdam, it must be a special feeling to have a, a working space like that, I guess. It is. It's 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 a it's a it's a pleasure, and and uh, we'll we'll get to that, I suppose. But the the port is so relevant for uh, not only the city and not only even the Netherlands. It's so relevant for Europe um, and the role it plays, and thus the impact you can make, and the the manner in which you choose to. Uh, aspire uh, to uh, embrace transitions uh, is is uh, is a pleasure to be involved in uh, day in day out. Great, great. Because that, uh, you already mentioned it, it's transformation. <laughs> Having a look overlook of your career so far, I think one of the key themes in your career so far is the concept of transformation. I guess is that correct? Is transformation being a crucial part of your career so far? Uh, I suppose to a certain extent it has been. Yeah, uh, it's it's it's. Um, uh, I've been blessed, I suppose, with with several different opportunities offering different challenges, uh, specifically work related, uh, but also from a cultural perspective or a language perspective or 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 if you like externalities with regards to the circumstances in which you need to operate. So yeah. Change is is something that uh, does uh, does come back um, and has come back over over the many years. Yeah, and in in your experience, what would be your definition of change or transformation? Then, how would you describe the concept of change and transformation? 
Well, I, I mean, the, the manner in which I look at it is is related to um, an assessment of of what the future should hold, um, and and where you could could best participate in that future. In other words, somewhat trying to become the master of your destiny, which is not at all to suggest that I continuously look for a crystal ball and <laughs> and wish to predict that future. Far from it. I actually believe it's much more important to ensure that you're resilient and versatile, but also dare to embrace the changes related to that future as opportunities rather than as threats. So I, I do not sit back. I do not hold back. I do not seek environments that 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 focus on a consolidation of the of the of the state of affairs of the the manner in which uh, activities are conducted because at this point in time they happen to be financially attractive or from a marketing proposition uh, appealing i i do continuously um have an awareness that the external environment is continuously changing is continuously developing uh, disruptive yeah which, which but subsequently i look for the disruptions from the perspective of the opportunity they may present and how we does as an organization and I as an individual should play into those uh, disruptions and opportunities. Yeah, looking for transformation from the perspective of, of opportunities. That's already one thing to keep in mind from this conversation, I guess. And and what you're also saying is that transformation <laughs> also implies that you you can't describe already a full journey, journey ahead. It continuously no. changes as such. The transformation itself transforms during the way, right? Along the way. Correct, correct, and 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 so the 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 hypothesis I adhere to is one where I'd much rather be on the pitch, playing a game where rules may be still to be developed, but I'd much rather be on the pitch co-creating the rules that I aspire to and or believe in than waiting. Till all the dust has settled, or that all, or that the outcome has been confirmed. Yeah. So I, 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 I have embraced this, this, this notion of co-creation, uh, dealing with uncertainty, uh, acknowledging that if you, if you put your mind and and heart and soul and energy into it, you should feel confident that a positive outcome can be achieved. But, but by co-creating it, you, you, you kind of take co-responsibility yeah and 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 i also read the other day in an interview that you said in in this transformations the changes you have been faced with you're always looking for the the, the coalition of the willing instead yeah. of the mother of all coalitions can you elaborate a bit on that because i think it's very interesting in the notion of change and transformation yeah so the, so there's two things one indeed is um that Building on what I just said with regards to co-creating the rules of the game is that if you if you if you really believe that you need to spend significant amount of time behind your spreadsheet designing the the, the what you believe the outcomes ought to be without thus embracing uh, ongoing insights uh, and 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 co-development or or ongoing developments in your own mindset. 
then I believe you will lose valuable time. The other the other element that I strongly believe in is that you may be working on a transition that is related to an energy system or that's related to a society. But if you if you whilst I am welcome very much the inputs from the different perspectives, if you if you if you try and uh, co-create those uh, rules, as I alluded to, with yeah. all the stakeholders immediately involved, then it's it becomes unmanageable, right? Yeah. You you might have a, a a football stadium full of folk yeah. that <laughs> have have some input to to offer, and I much rather work with a coalition of the willing, so parties that have a similar belief and have similar aspirational goals and have a vested interest in achieving the desirable outcomes. Yeah. In order then subsequently to share it with with the rest of the community, so it's not wanting to claim exclusivity far from it, but I believe you can make progress much more efficiently with those that have a similar uh, challenge at hand and 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 thoughts about the opportunity, yeah. and then you share thereafter. Yeah, you need a coalition to to take the the first step ahead and then take the others along on board. Uh, during the, right. the the journey, and yeah. I think indeed, with a football stadium full of all kind of different people, it would be a very complex decision making process. I guess. Um, let us let us zoom a little bit on your on your on your daily practice in your role as the CEO of the Port of Rotterdam. Let me take let me take us back uh, in uh, almost over nine years now. Your first day at the office, you came in, and and then what happened? Then you started a new job. What were the first things that popped into your mind starting at the Port of Rotterdam as a CEO? It's well over nine years, by the way. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely, I'll, absolutely. Well yeah. over nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, first of all, uh, if 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 you one of the first things I did in the new role was go out to customers. So I visited a lot of customers in the port from day one, uh, talking to them, listening to them more more than talking even. Um, and so the first impression you have and get from the port very quickly, very early on, is how fabulously energized and um, engaged the community in its fullest, from pilots to tugboats to terminal operators to inland barges to manufacturing plants. The community in this port is, is tremendously proud of uh, its and their achievements and uh, have are passionate about delivering high quality service. Also, at the time uh, back so then, when you when you started already, the, the proud of the people that were yeah, that, that, there. That, was, that was clearly visible from the day from 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 day one. Mm. The, the very first people I talked to, uh, the very first people I met, the very first customers I visited, um, very uh, very positive mindset. Um, critical to the extent that uh, keen to improve on matters. But not cynical, not critical from a perspective of this isn't good, or I don't like it here, or I wish I would I was in another business, or I, I'm going to go somewhere else. So, so that positive um, energy that was generated um, was was loud and clear from day one with each and every one I talked to. So that was the first impression. Uh, I, I suppose the other first impression I had in my mind, <laughs> yeah. uh, which which wasn't so much from. Uh, if you'd like a, a job description or discussions with my board was I was very much aware already of the 
climate challenges that we were faced, the energy transition I felt that we ought to embark upon. And I was very much aware that if we weren't to pursue that transition, that you might be looking at a somewhat of a dinosaur environment because then businesses may fade away over time or may not be accepted by society, stakeholders, NGOs, and the like. So yeah. the element of transition right there from the beginning was clearly in my mind uh, as a as a uh, sketch of a path forward that I uh, I wanted to to pursue and test out. And, and and did you also feel at that time that it was already also in other minds as well? Or did you really feel that you really had to overcome uh, the challenge of getting people on board uh, when it comes no, to, that, to sustainability? If, if, if we, so, so anything related to um, performance of the ongoing business was embraced and was very much welcomed. Anything related to we're going to transition because uh, otherwise we might be not be as relevant in future as we are today was frowned upon and 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 in first instance considered to be outrageous and or uh, out of touch uh, and 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 similar similar connotations. Yeah. So yeah, we we've had to um, uh, do a lot of uh, uh, communicating and and sharing and 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 informing and engaging. In order to get traction on those uh, those topics, yeah. So you you you've been talking to all kind of customers and 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 people working already in the port of Rotterdam, and then at one day after such conversations, you drove back home, or maybe you ran back home. I don't know. You you ran quite a lot, right, in the in the area. Yeah. But and then yeah. th there must be some days that you that you went back home and thought, well, this this will be really challenging. This will be really challenging to to make sure that we succeed in a specific kind of direction or whatever can you can you can you give us one example of the biggest challenges or dilemmas you have been facing at the time yeah so it's difficult to mention one here i must admit because this is a very um diversified port it's a very versatile port we have so many different types of businesses uh, the port generates 565,000 jobs in the country, contributes 63 billion euros to the economy. So it's a huge port. There's, there's, there's so many activities. And, and at any given point in time, there's always an element in the port that doesn't function all that well or doesn't yeah. operate uh, according to what you would expect. So it's difficult to mention one. But I think the most difficult in the bigger storyline was one indeed to ensure that um, I could position the Port of Rotterdam and the company as an enterprise that was there to help our customers be successful in the transition. And because through our support, those companies would become successful, that would be a justification for themselves to continue to invest in the port and choose Rotterdam as the preferred location for future endeavors. I mean, when I started 10 years ago, it was clearly on the horizon that uh, uh, refineries might close, that some of the container operators and, and, and shipping lines were considering other locations, or that the offshore industry was wondering what their future would hold. I mean, we didn't have these efforts to build wind farms. We didn't have an awareness of 
how much CO2 we would need to reduce. We didn't know the role of hydrogen. So there was lots of uncertainties. Yeah. And, and, and that has been, if you'd like, from day one, the biggest challenge, how to identify the ways forward in that tremendously uncertain domain of disruption. Yeah. I, I always, I described very early on in my tenure, I said there's two big disruptions approaching our business value chain. And one is based on digitization and the other one is based on energy transition. And we in Rotterdam are going to embrace those two, as I said earlier, as opportunities rather than as threats. And this company, I have the privilege of, 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 of leading, will be at the front of the developments, ensuring we serve our customers to the best possible way. And this is still the story that is the key the key message, actually, right? Because this is this this hasn't been changing, right? The, the key message. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. What, what has changed, and, and that's why the story has become a lot easier to tell. As I said, initially, folk were looking at me and wondering from which planet I had just arrived. We've we we now have such a proven track record, uh, not only with ideas and intentions and projects, but initiatives, investment decisions in, in, in functioning activities. We have such a proven track record that uh, the story is not being challenged anymore. The story is not debated anymore. The credibility is not an issue. Um, there's a huge amount of leverage and there's a huge amount of appetite to join on, on the journey and to be part of it. Yeah, but still, you the, also the, issue, mentioned... the issues haven't changed, but the, the 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 positioning I have and the port has has changed dramatically over these years. And do you consider that as a success of the transformation journey you started well over nine years ago? That this key message hasn't hasn't changed. So I consider it as, as successful that uh, we have such a rich portfolio of initiatives. Uh, which we didn't have when we started nine years ago, uh, that we have such a rich portfolio of investment decisions and that we have such a, uh, a tremendously promising outlook uh, for the businesses that are still here and, and, and wish to be part of that journey. So yeah. I think the positioning of the port and the mere fact that a shell uh, who clearly have a significant presence through the Pernis refinery um, have are fully rationalizing their their refinery portfolio globally, uh, but that they've acknowledged that the Rotterdam refinery is here to stay for 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 many decades to come because of the investment climate, because of the many features that we make available to such a refinery to begin to operate in a decarbonized world, okay. be it from uh, using residual heat or building a carbon capture and storage facility or be it uh, facilitating sustainable aviation fuels yeah. uptake. I mean, the, the number of topics is phenomenal. Uh, and I take a, a huge amount of satisfaction out of the mere fact that the, these businesses have acknowledged uh, the environment which we've created. Yeah, I see it as well. You you really <laughs> show that you are uh, uh, really on the on on the good track uh, on the in this uh, in this in this area. Uh, let me let me get back to the uncertainties. You mentioned a couple of uncertainties. What has been your um, biggest uncertainty you have been confronted with, and how did you deal with it along the way? Um. Because yeah, to, no, to, to, to elaborate a bit, uncertainties, you said it, it's a big it's a big part of this transformation journey. So I would be really interested to hear what your 
what your biggest uncertainty was and how did you deal with it? Well, so to, let's take, for instance, an example that there's various uh, trains of thought that are related to transitions which stipulate that uh, transitions are only successful if you say goodbye to the old and you focus on innovation and new entrepreneurship and new business business activities. And uh, there's there's professors at universities that claim that that is the only way transitions will ultimately be successful through maximum disruption. I've, from the word go, taken a different stance. I've continued, I've confirmed and I continue to confirm that I welcome innovation, entrepreneurship, a new entrance, but also that I was expecting to create an environment for the existing businesses to be part of that journey. Uh, so I did not say goodbye to coal import terminals. I did not say goodbye to uh, uh, refineries. I did not say goodbye to some of the petrochemical facilities, but I encouraged entrepreneurship, new entrants, new trains of thought. Uh, but I've also encouraged the existing businesses to be part of that journey and to become successful in that future environment. Yeah. And the example, the example I often use is if 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 legislators determine that we should drive emission-free passenger cars, which I embrace, which I endorse. I've been driving an EV for the last uh, well over nine and a half years now. Um, <laughs> one of the first one then, probably. <laughs> I, I was certainly one of the first ones uh, in in, uh, in this country. Um, but if you if you if you as a government you set you set as a target that that EVs or, or zero emission is 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 the is the, is the standard, then you're not saying in the same vein that Tesla should be the only producer of vehicles. You're telling Ford, Hyundai, GM to make vehicles that have zero emission, and that's the the example I always use. So I'm I'm encouraging early key their products, BP, Exxon. Uh, but also huge uh, container terminal operators to become zero emission. And I've not said to these entities and organizations, uh, you were part of the old establishment. I'm only going to focus on the new establishment. No, you take them along on board, but which can be very challenging, I guess, especially in the area you are working in. Because, for example, not saying goodbye to coal and, and the, let's say the old-fashioned way of, of energy in public opinion, for example, you you must have had a lot of resistance. How do how do you deal with that in in making those choices? Because lots of people do well firmly yeah. disagree with you, I guess. Well, th there used to be more than than there than there are nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so you did something but good then. <laughs> no, yeah, I, th I think I think some of the 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 the, the, the believers of these this huge disruptional transformation are now also acknowledging. That there is a role for these enterprises, provided they they support and endorse uh, the targets that are set. Uh, you could you could take a coal-fired power plant, and it's clearly that I mean again, my language has always been: if if you're not part of the journey we're on, then you will not be welcome in the port anymore. Mm. Uh, but if that coal-fired power plant is now uh, developing uh, uh, initiatives that will help them uh, transition from coal-fired to hydrogen-fired and have a zero-emission energy uh, power plant, uh, then 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 I'm, uh, I'm I'm very pleased with their their presence and their activities. Yeah. So um, yeah. so so that's that's kind of the the opportunities I I, I I seek to pursue. Yeah. 
Great. Alot, one of the one of the key things we also do during these interviews is that we ask our guests to ask a question to our following guests. Uh, the previous uh, one before you was uh, Stéphane Lefebvre. He was the president CEO of Cirque du Soleil. And he also had a question for you. And I will read it out loud for you. Um, as a CEO, you sometimes feel lonely there at the top. And I would be cur curious to know how other CEOs reach out to when they feel that they want to bounce something off, something either on a business concept or just a way to manage personal emotions. Who do you reach out to? Who do you like to reach out to, to when you want to bounce something off or pick somebody's brain? Yeah, I, good question. I, I, I must admit I do not have a particular habit of engaging with advisors or an inner circle on too many topics. I have a strong management team. Um, we have proper and good uh, and necessary discussions on particular choices and, and decisions we make. So I, I have a lot of trust in my management team. But so from a personal perspective, there's a, I suppose there's a couple of folk uh, who I would consider exceedingly experienced and who also happen to know me, but those might just be in my inner circle from a from a, yeah. a, a friends and family perspective, not so much business leaders. The, the other thing that helps me a lot, uh, but that's just the way I operate, is that I'm I'm extremely curious, and and one I I hate reinventing the wheel. <laughs> so what I what I continue continuously do is that I identify the sources of information that I believe that are valuable related to the predicament I may be in. And that may be a report, it may be a seminar, it may be a dinner conversation, it may be a storytelling situation. So I I look for the, the, the sweet spot in the types of information that I believe is relevant for the, uh, as I said, the predicament I may be in. Uh, and, and just on a very, very odd occasion, but that tends to be then much more personally, person related uh, from a personal affairs yeah. perspective. I may call upon just a handful of very good friends and and share some of the uh, the choices I may be faced with and and seek their their input. But that is uh, that, that probably has happened over the last ten years on on less than a couple of occasions. And it, it must be feel feel very, let's say, rich from a business perspective that you have a real good board surrounding you to have these kind of discussions. I guess it must be very very valuable. Yeah, it is. And well, I, I think it's important because, uh, as I said, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not looking for a crystal ball. No. I, 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 I debate my trains of thought. I discuss what I believe may be relevant. I ask people to follow up on. And that's the privilege you, of course, have in this, this position you have. You may have a, an idea or a thought or a, a question or a, a challenge. And you, you, you then I'm fortunate to have a, a network of people that can support that particular issue. Who can do then some of the the hard work, <laughs> uh, yeah. or to then subsequently have discussions on on the merits and the, the pros and the cons and the do's and the don'ts. Yeah, and that's yeah. the manner in which I mature my own thinking uh, going forward. Yeah, you said you read a lot topic topic related, but in 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 the in the area of transformation and change, uh, what would be your recommendations uh, for those who have tuned in today uh, to read or to maybe to see a movie or what what have you been uh, inspiring uh, to read or to see or to listen to? 
so again, I, I, I would argue it, it, it's very likely to depend on the type of business you're in. But as a, as a leader, uh, as I said, irrespective of what I expected to find joining the port of Rotterdam, I was very much motivated by things like uh, 2006, an inconvenient truth. Uh, uh, 2009, Stockholm Resilience uh, Center publishing planetary boundaries. Uh, that made me feel that uh, I wanted to contribute to solving the problems and the challenges. And I felt and still feel that making an impact is probably more important than just being curious and, and keen to run your business properly. I mean, I do believe, I mean, I've, I've also had the privilege to, on two occasions, to give the commencement speech at Erasmus University. And uh, one of the things I have said on both occasions is that the privileged few, but it does apply to each and every one in society, but certainly the privileged few that graduate from such a prestigious university as Erasmus University, they have, they, they shoot want to take on the responsibility to contribute to society as a whole, not only look at their own personal interest or the narrow interest of a company or a body they represent. Um, so so I've been motivated to work along those lines. I, yeah. I, I enjoy doing my job as good as I possibly can. And I look in the mirror every evening contemplating what I did wrong and what I could do better. I think but what I want to do is based on is is based on wanting to make an impact. Great, great. I think that's a really good advice for everyone. To wrap up, Alart, your question to our next guest. Our next guest is uh, Gert de Winter. He is CEO of uh, Balwaze, a, a leading insurance company. What would be your question to the next business leader I will be interviewing? I'd I'd be interested to. So my question to him would be the extent to which sustainable development goals are important in his business and the extent to which he uses those sustainable development goals in reaching out to his customers. So what role do they have, not only in his business as, a, as an enterprise organization, but also in his conversations with the various customers and stakeholders he has. And this is, again, from the perspective I just alluded to, right? You, yeah. you want to make an impact. You want to do something that is useful for this society and this planet and, and to every each and everyone's well-being. I think a great summary question, a question that summarizes our great conversation so far. Thank you very, very much, Alat Kastelein, CEO of Port of Rotterdam. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank to you all who have been tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed this wonderful conversation and I hope you will tune in again for the next edition of In Conversation With. My name is Jeroen Bademans and hope to hear you, see you next time. Bye bye.